Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, happy Thursday, Shira. Ryan Mitchell is out, but Ryan Basham is filling in oh, as hey. my co-host. It's a thrill to be here. Yes, second day in. I'm practically a pro. I mean, yes. Can and I make a confession, though? Of course. My doctor upped my ADD meds today, so oh. it could get weird. Okay, I, I appreciate you sharing and yeah, being vulnerable. Yeah, I thought that would be that. really appropriate for me to say at the top of the show. No, it, I, I th- <laughs> I'm down for it. I'm down for the cause. It, it sets the precedent. What happens then if they up? It means you're more focused. Uh, theoretically, also a little more twitchy. Okay, so you know, <laughs> I don't feel it at all. I'm so I'm high functioning twitch. Hey. <laughs> I feel like I'm like that, too. I just haven't gone to a doctor about it. So we're all in it together. We're all in it together. I'm excited because uh, we will be talking about sex today. (laughs) Sign me up. One of my favorite topics. Why Americans aren't happy with their sex lives. I found this really interesting, this topic, because we're all about sex positivity. And yet there are some findings that we're not happy with our sex lives. So what is going on? We've got the author of a new book exploring this topic joining us at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. I said yesterday we talked about the Trevor Project, this new survey. I said I wanted them on, and we're having them on. I mean, manifest, right? That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Trevor Project joins us to discuss their latest LGBTQ plus youth survey in 30 minutes. So... A lot. I mean, that's just a tease. We've got Dr. James Simmons joining us also at 4.20 p.m. Pacific uh, because there's a new type of underwear that can prevent STDs. You know, I'm going to order in bulk, I think. Isn't that wild? I don't need it because I have herpes. (laughs) I do. I've talked about this openly. I mean... Did you know that? Pretty stressful. Something like 8 and 10 adults have it. Yeah. Well, there's uh, yeah herpes 1, herpes 2, the uh, oral and general. I've been very open about it. So you've just been open about your ADD. I had to reveal something. Uh, you know, I, I really, had to one up you. I feel like we're. I was going to say we're in this together, but now I'm feeling a little shamed. No. <laughs> I also have a bone spur. What is that? It's, 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 I'm old. I'm old. Okay. I don't I'm know aging. what that is. A bone spur? I mean, a bone spur is kind of like a little extra nub on your bone that can cause trouble with your muscles and tendons. Oh. I know. How? I, I hope you deal with that. I'm going to be hobbling in here tomorrow. Let's get into somewhat's trending this hour. Oh, Right yes. now. Are you ready? 
Uh, well, since COVID-19 vaccines became available, there's actually been a wide gap in deaths between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. But recent COVID deaths are m- much more evenly split as variants come into play, right? And vaccine protection wanes, booster uptake is stagnating, not a lot of people getting their boosters. Mm. So of those vaccinated people who died from a breakthrough case of COVID-19 in January and February, and this is according to a CNN an analysis of data from the CDC, less than a third had gotten a booster shot. The remaining two thirds had only received their primary series. So if that's the case and you haven't gotten your booster, you're more susceptible to getting treated and, you know, in the hospital and possibly dying. I mean, it's so much simpler to just get a shot than it is to go to the hospital or to have to find a doctor to prescribe that new pill. I mean, it's I mean, it's better for you and it's better for people around you. I do actually know some people who did get the first shot and then they're like, "Mm, I'm good now. Not I mean, seeing how it's not like it stays good, like it, it continues being That's okay. like if your garden needs to be watered daily, but you only do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Totally. Meanwhile, uh, with that, here's Senator Rand Paul, obviously a COVID expert, explaining <laughs> what he thinks about the boosters today. It makes absolutely no sense to mandate COVID vaccinations for teenagers who are healthy. It makes even less sense to mandate a booster. There is no scientific evidence that boosters are valuable, and there is scientific evidence that boosters increase the risk of a heart inflammation for young adolescent males. Um, and they're also referencing this because they're debating, it seems, on the floor about getting their interns for the summer to have uh, these boosters. I mean, it's like any other employer if they mandate... like the pages, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rand Paul is to epidemiology what like a fifth grader playing a recorder is to a symphony. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, you know, for the people that are uh, high functioning, the fifth graders, they're probably really insulted. I'm so sorry, fifth graders. <laughs> you know, there's these those wonderkins, right? <laughs> now, let's move on to some international news. Greece today bans conversion therapy for minors, a practice... Yes. I don't even need to get into what the practice is, right? But it's been condemned as harmful, as we know. Under the bill, which Greece's parliament approved, psychologists or other health professionals need a person's explicit consent to perform this treatment and face fines and prison term if they violate the law. Which also means, like, one, even with consent, that's like a loophole a bit. Because you could say, oh, yeah, you consented when it's like you were forced and manipulated into thinking. 100%. You could be pressured into it. Totally. However, I'm happy they are taking a stand on that. Yes, better than nothing. Uh, Moving on to Finland, leaders have announced their decision to apply for NATO membership. They announced uh, today their intention to submit an application to join the NATO military alliance without delay. Russia, which shares an 810-mile border with Finland, classified the country's decision as a threat. Sweden is expected to decide if it is also applying for membership in the coming days. This is like the first concrete way that Russia has gotten the opposite of what they wanted right. from this invasion. I mean, but, you know, I'm glad. I'm really, really glad. I worry that we're going into World War III, but I'm glad NATO exists and is getting stronger. I'm just amazed at the uh, the courage and heroic nature of Ukrainians, including yeah. the president. The fact that Kiev, they have basically taken it over and it could have been the other way yeah. around. Yeah. It's just incredible like and it's it's sad that it's needed to happen but like witnessing how they're continuing to fight unfortunately is um pretty sad yet remarkable yeah i'm inspired and, by them yeah yeah and they're retaking territory That's in the eastern yeah which about. which yeah. which is you know what russia still says I, they want i is, don't even know how they're doing that considering they're going up against the strongest most powerful kind of army out there but. you know the the western world keeps stepping up the 
you know, the material that we are sending there. And I think that's a big, a big boost to them. And Biden just announced more of that today yeah. as well, which the Republicans were fighting back against. But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? All right. Can we talk about my favorite best friend, Patty Lapone, please? Okay. Um, she uh, she made uh, a little bit of noise on stage on Broadway. And uh, I think we have some audio of it. Put your masks over your noses. Oh, do you want me to go put a mask on right now? Did I have a mask on during the show? Do you want me to put a mask on? Because I will. Your mask protects me so that I can perform. I Woo! over your nose. That's why you're in the theater. That is the rule. If you don't want to follow the rule, get the f*** she said it. She's a beast in the best possible way. So this is not the first time Patty has gone off on an audience member. Back in 2009 when she was in Gypsy, she walked up to a texting theater goer in the middle of her performance and took their phone from them. So like Patty stands up for what's right. And every time the Broadway backs her up. I appreciate that. She's a badass B word. B something i'm not yeah. i don't know i was working on, i thought i had something i don't yeah she's no, just awesome I, I, i'm inspired by her i want to be her when i grow up yeah same well thank you that was some hey, entertainment news. thank you so much for joining me for the tea report this hour and what do you have coming up next hour do you want to tease a little uh let's see we're going to talk a little bit about naomi judd and um some johnny depp stuff in the coming More hours johnny depp tea oh, oh there's yes. tea and shade it's weird okay well next up your phone could reveal if you've had an abortion how republican lawmakers could use your tech and data against you after this let's go there with shira and ryan channel q as the GOP rolls up their sleeves to reverse Roe v. Wade, it also brings up the question of how our tech could be used against us in the process. And joining us right now is Washington Post tech reporter Jeff Fowler. Thanks for being here. Hey there. Hi. You know, I, I really enjoyed your article about this topic, and I've been seeing it pop up more and more. Why is the tech space coming up right now when it comes to this? Because think about everything that your phone knows about your life. They know... Uh, what you look up on maps, they know um, what you Google for, they know what you message to friends. And all of that is information that could also be used to indicate that you sought an abortion. And it could be in some states you know, that that's going to be illegal. And the concern is that the records that you're leaving on your phone, but then also all the other services that you might use on the Internet could be used as evidence against people who have sought an abortion um, privately in places maybe where it's, it's, it's against the law. So um, it, what it really shows, I think, is that we've got this kind of big hole in our lives, right? There's very few privacy laws in the U.S., and now that's a civil rights concern for people seeking abortion. Wow. Uh, so I guess, you know, I'm kind of having images of The Handmaid's Tale in my mind. Um, what recourse do people have if they want to prevent this? Well, um, it's tricky, right? Because, you know, we've been talking about privacy on the Internet for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, we've, you know, a lot of people sort of dismissed it, right? They're like, oh, I don't really care about getting targeted ads. I don't care about whatever. All the information is out there. Google, you know, take me and do whatever you want to with me. But the deal is, like, this shows how it actually really does matter, right? And so a lot of things we've been talking about over time, um, they really apply in this case, too. So, for example, um, if your phone has location services turned on, that means it's collecting that information. It could be sending it to Google. It could be sending it to companies you've never heard of because you downloaded some flashlight app 
that asked for your location. You said, sure, why not? And then now they're in the business of selling that information. And once this information is in the hands of companies, that could be used, like the police could go to them and say, like, give us that information and get a court order. Or what we found is some of them are even selling it. So there was a case last week where some journalists went and bought location information um, uh, about where people were before they visited Planned Parenthood locations <sighs> and then where they went afterwards. This is already wow. out there. So I will answer your question, but what can we do? So I'm just showing you how bad No, that's good what to know as for context also. Like, that's how easy it is in a way. And the fact that a journalist, like someone that's not even in the industry of doing that, could figure out how to do it in that way is crazy. Exactly. The crazy thing is you don't need a court order anymore to get data that could be used to prosecute someone for wow. um, for, for a crime in America because we've given away so much of it to this entire industry <sighs> that was developed to help, you know, sell us nice pants on the Internet. Like, we, we didn't really realize what we were giving up. Yeah. Wow. So what you can do about it is a lot of the things you can do to protect your privacy in other contexts. So um, you should, you know, if you're searching the web, consider using uh, a service like DuckDuckGo that doesn't keep a profile of all your searches. Um, if you're going someplace uh, that could be, quote unquote, sensitive in a state that, um, you know, where abortion is made illegal, turn off location services on your phone. Mm. Um, if you're chatting with friends uh, on messaging systems about, about sort of your situation, choose a chat system that's encrypted. So text messages are not encrypted, but mm. things like Signal or, um, or iMessage are. Wow. Are you, Telegram is, uh, is safe? You is that one of the places? It's okay. I prefer Signal. Okay, Signal. Okay, right. got it. Wow, That's my paranoia has never been know. more validated. <laughs> right? Uh, oh my god, I have so much more to add. Like, because I'm on this app flow which tracks my my period, mm-hmm. and even that, my partner was saying how they could see when and when you're not getting it, and like to know if you're pregnant and what you're like weird stuff like that. Also, yeah. by the way, this Phones is good data about our bodies. Exactly. Like that. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that was Jeff Fowler, a tech reporter at The Washington Post. We really appreciate it. You bet. All right. Coming up next, we have the Trevor Project joining us to talk about their new survey around LGBTQ youth next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So it seems according to the Daily Dot, a lot of people are calling out Facebook saying that abortion content is absent from their feed. And so this is really interesting. Um, Some folks have been speaking out about this, saying that a lot of the people around them that they knew were posting about what was happening with Roe v. Wade, including on other social networks, they were seeing all the content, but it wasn't showing up in their feed. They had to go directly to the person's profile to discover it. Yeah, the same is true for me. I've only seen comments about abortion at all in stories on Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, yeah. but it's only in stories. No posts, nothing. I mean, my own posts, no activity either. Yeah, it's, and, and someone uh, spoke out to the Daily Dot about this. Um, a, an author of Health Justice Now, Single Payer and What Comes Next, uh, tweeted that he had zero abortion content in his Facebook news feed. And once again, as I mentioned, he was able to find those links to fundraisers and contents when he went directly on to the people's um pages and he also said yeah he said he's an active user he revealed that (laughs) Um, and is connected with abortion activists on the platform i expected to see at least one post about the road decision i saw none except for one from a friend who typed it 
at, like instead of saying abortion, the word, they typed it with an at, what's it called, an asterisk? Not asterisk. Oh, yeah. Uh, they basically censored it with like A-B- that. A-B-0-R-T-I-0-N. Uh, mm-hmm. So they wouldn't, like the algorithm wouldn't see that it's abortion. Something is weird here. But then, you know, on the other side of it, there's this uh, company that monitors these platforms. It's called Newswhip, right? Mm-hmm. And they said that the political article about the leaked Supreme Court decision received hundreds of thousands of engagements. They said that they had not been monitoring activity about content with terms relating to abortion, but they did say that they have not noticed anything out of the ordinary. I mean, if you're not monitoring it, how could you notice it? That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, this same guy, I think, was the one who said that he posted about abortion with the word abortion in it and it got like four likes. And then he did the same post or a similar post with the word censored and got like 22. I mean, that's obviously anecdotal. Yeah, that that's the guy that I originally was talking about, not the the news wing. Yeah, not guy. the yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that is that's very clear. I mean, it's from the users. People are talking about it on social, and this isn't the first time obviously Facebook and Instagram have possibly hidden post around topics that might be, you know, what they deem as political, right? Yeah. Um, After a law in Texas that banned abortions six weeks after pregnancy went into effect last year, actually they hid posts about two popular abortion drugs, mifepristone and misoprostol. Um, And then when they were reached out to to comment about this, they said that the terms were blocked in error. In error, of course. I mean, you know, Facebook categorizes what it thinks your political affiliation is, and then it, you know, boosts posts it thinks you're going to like. I mean, it does all kinds of stuff to totally. basically track what it thinks you're going to respond to. I don't under—I mean, I don't understand how they could have so much money and so much power and not have a firmer grasp on what their algorithm does. Error seems like a tired excuse. Well, so here's the thing: is like they got called out obviously for encouraging posts, but by, by encouraging is just letting people post things that would create a lot of conversation, right? Yeah. And so around quote unquote misinformation. And so there's the other extreme to that where you just stop pushing out posts at all around things that you deem as controversial or political because it might include misinformation, right? Until the algorithm figures out what is real and what is not. Yeah, that's not enough. If you're if you're the millions of people's main source of news, you got to do better than that. Yeah, and with the money you have, you think that someone would have figured out how to do it. Yeah. How to categorize the things in the news cycle that mm-hmm. are that should be in front of people and that not it's not shouldn't, but like should be I I always say flagged and at least there's something there that says this might not be real or fact checkers yes. say like this isn't real. I I also am against like you putting things down like like the, it's not about censor censorship but um trusting an algorithm to put things down in a feed right yeah it's like let humans do that yes. and also have ways though that you can signal to your users like hey red flag this is might be bad yes or like inappropriate or whatever yeah. they employ literally thousands of phd data scientists they can fix this oh uh, yeah all right what's trending this hour coming up next Fans are uh, doing a lot to get into the Depp Heard trial. We'll tell you how much money some folks are spending next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yep, we're back. Stick around for more music right here on Channel Q. But right now we've got more show. I'm Shira. We got another Ryan joining me in the studio. Not Ryan Mitchell. Ryan Basham. Oh, hey. Great to be here. Yes, great to have you. Oh, thanks. Ryan is a political analyst. Yeah, I analyze the politics. 
Yeah, we love that here. I mean, unfortunately, we got to talk a, a lot about it these days. Yeah, you know what? I say fortunately. We get to be participants in our democracy. Thank you. Glass half full attitude. <laughs> no, I love that. Uh, you lighten up the mood as we talk about this. <laughs> we got to. Yes. And, got and to. I appreciate it because you've worked with uh, Stonewall in the past, mm-hmm. right? And I was an advisor to the Biden campaign. Amazing. Legit. That's legit. What I'm talking Too legit about. to quit. Exactly. Coming up, though, uh, lawmakers in 19 states are going to be introducing a legislation to protect trans youth, which is amazing. We have a quality California joining us for that in 15 minutes. Plus, the crazy amount of money people are paying to get into the herd and Depp trial. Y'all are cray cray. Insane. That's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. A gay high schooler says he's being silenced by Florida's LGBTQ law. Class President Xander Moritz is suing the state over its so-called Don't Say Gay bill. He shared that the principal threatened to cut his mic during his graduation speech. Yeah, in a statement, Sarasota County Schools confirmed that the principal and Moritz did have a meeting, adding that the graduation speeches are routinely reviewed to ensure that they are, quote, appropriate to the tone of the ceremony. Oh, my gosh. Out of respect, they added this for all those attending the graduation. Students are reminded that a graduation should not be a platform for personal political statements, especially those likely to disrupt the ceremony. Should a student vary from this expectation during that graduation, it may be necessary to take appropriate action. I mean, I remember in high school the great lengths the administration went to make sure the speakers did not say something they weren't supposed to say. I mean, I guess that part's old, but the new part is censoring somebody from, you know, speaking up for their identity. There's a bit of a difference of just someone causing a ruckus, yeah, right? And yeah. saying, like, this isn't just a platform and for anything. When This is a specific moment in time where people are being discriminated against and killed. Mm-hmm. There is a responsibility to say, like, if, if you are a person of that lived experience and you want to share support and, like, and express your identity and who you are, yeah, then I get it. Yeah. Right. It's necessary. It's necessary. And also, what does that mean? This is like a very kind of gray area. Does that mean you can't wear uh, rainbow colors or can't have a flag? Seriously. If you want, beyond even just speaking out about it. Um, and once again, when you have those uh, speeches, you are talking to your class and to everyone about the state of where we're at in terms of being a young person today. Absolutely. You and know what? That's it, included. And they would not censor somebody talking about God in their speech. Oh. Not everybody there is religious. True. So where does where's the line? Exactly. No, totally. I agree. Moving on to Representative Ilan Omar, who went off on the GOP for supporting overturning Roe v. Wade today. It's shocking to me that all of this is being championed and it's coming from a party that believes in small government, a party that talks about freedom, liberty. And this is the party now that wants to do everything that they can to tell women what decisions they can make about their reproductive rights. Hello. I love her. Representative Omar, Ilan Omar. Now, a first-of-its-kind project to remove underwater litter and junk along Lake Tahoe's 72-mile shoreline has neared its conclusion. This is just wild. The amount of trash collected, 25,200 pounds, which will slightly increase with the final haul that's happening today. They pulled out cell phones, sunglasses, flip-flops, vape pens, cigarette butts, condoms, golf balls, ice cream sticks, and more. Somebody said, you know what? I'm done with this condom. Let me go throw it in the lake. (laughs) 
or they did it in the lake. I don't. Know. I don't do you need? I mean. Does condoms stay on in the lake? How does that work? I don't know. I've never done it in the la- in water in that way. I w- I, why like would you? Like with a condom. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions I don't want the answers to you know, at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but just gross. Like, please do not use the earth as your trash. Like, I can't believe I still need to say this to people when I see people throwing stuff out of their cars, just throwing stuff out like while they're walking. Mm-hmm. We li- all live here together. Would you throw it? Like on your floor, and you might, unfortunately, but if you wouldn't throw it out, like literally on the ground in your house, do not do it outside. Doubly so for anything that has bodily fluids. Even cigarette butts have your spit on it. Like someone has to touch that later. Well, yeah, cigarette butts, it's it's not compostable. No, you it takes twelve years to break down. It does. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that. It's disgusting. It's Just awful. Stop. Do better. Come on. All right. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment? Oh, it's time for the tea report. And boy, do I have some tea for you. Okay, so check this out. Um, Some onlookers at the Johnny Depp Mm -hmm. and Amber Heard trial have gone to great lengths to secure a front row seat. So, you know, you have to stay. Well, people are camping out overnight because there's a line for so many people get a wristband to go in. So that part is free. But people are spending up to $30,000 on travel expenses to get in. Isn't that bizarre uh so people people magazine did a piece <laughs> oh about God. this and they quote okay so you would think you know young people right mm-hmm. they quoted people in their mid to late 50s who have been doing this oh, yeah. and people have come as far as not just like wisconsin from the uk and spain just to wow. come and watch this trial in person it's it's a hollywood show unfortunately it's a circus like this is it's all on display unfortunately this is America. Right? They're like, great, I get to witness Hollywood in action. And and these people are spending money to go watch a really tragic event in someone else's life. Totally, but it feels like a movie for them because they just are obsessed with them as stars. Yeah, this isn't interactive theater. This is, you know, the law. But Yeah, exactly. But that's what it's becoming. Once again, I'm still confused as to like who decided to broadcast this trial and how that happens, like how they approved that, both of them. I mean, I, I think that's probably that courthouse already has standard rules about what's permissible, and they probably already allow cameras. It's It varies by jurisdiction. Um, but in this case, I mean, because we can watch the Chauvin trial, you know, so it just depends. But yeah. in this case, that rule is probably in place and I probably bet I bet they regret it. Oh, yeah, thing. <laughs> OK, well, uh, coming up, the lawmakers who are introducing legislation to protect trans youth nationwide. Equality California joins us to talk more about that next. But first, we have a giveaway. Oh, my gosh. This is exciting. OK, so it's time for the second annual Divas in the Desert. Uh, Channel Q presents our second annual Divas in the Desert concert speed featuring okay check this out starring the tell it to my heart diva the one and only taylor dane it's thursday may 29th 7 to 10 p.m at the morongo uh, morongo casino resort and spa just outside of palm springs it's a fundraising event benefiting dap health and the coachella valley lgbtq center i may or may not be there with uh, tastefully short shorts um tickets are on sale now at ticketmaster.com but the fifth caller to call this very number i'm about to give you get ready oh we'll get a pair of free tickets. All right, the number is 833-77-CALL-Q or 833-772-2557. Give us a ring, and if you're number five, you get free tickets to maybe see me in short shorts. Also, you know, there's Taylor Dane. Amazing. Well, that's good news. You know what is also good news? Protecting trans youth. Equality California is calling in after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to Let's Go There. I'm the other Ryan, filling in for Ryan Mitchell, uh, here with Shira. Mm -hmm. And we have some really, really juicy stuff to talk about. So, them uh, just did an article this week about how lawmakers in 19 states are getting ready to introduce legislation to protect trans youth. So, as we've been talking about, hundreds of bills seeking to criminalize trans existence are 
are, are have been introduced across state legislators this year. Um, so, but this initiative to counteract that uh, is being led by a number of openly LGBTQ lawmakers, beginning with California's very own State Senator Scott Weiner. Here to talk with us about it today is Tammy Martin, the Legislative Director at Equality California. Uh, Equality California is doing great stuff on this topic, and we'd love to talk to you about it. Hey, Tammy. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. Um, so let's start with the details. Um, how are these bills going to help trans youth and their families if if these anti-trans bills are, are passed into law? Yeah, so, um, you know, SB 107 is the bill number here in California. And in terms of what it would do, I would say, you know, the overall goal is, of course, to protect people who are here in California from the laws of other states that seek to restrict gender affirming care to the full extent that we possibly can here in California. So some of the things that we're aiming to do are protect the privacy of medical records regarding gender affirming care, um, really speak to the importance of gender affirming care as a priority here in California. And we're also looking into provisions relating to arrests and other enforcement mechanisms. So folks should stay tuned. Um, the bill is introduced, it is in print, but it will move through the legislative process and it will receive some updates along the way. So we are consulting with legal experts to ensure that the bill is as strong of a model as it can be. And uh, California and our author, Senator Scott Weiner, as you mentioned, has certainly been at the forefront of this effort from the beginning. Um, and we are hearing that there is a growing coalition of other states. So we're hoping this is really going to be a model for some of the emerging states and folks that are at different places in their legislative cycles. But we're already hearing that in just around two months, um, I believe about 20 states now plus D.C. have either introduced, passed or committed to advancing a similar bill to protect trans youth and access to gender affirming care in their states. So we're going to have uh, protections across the country in, in various ways. Well, that is exciting, of course. Uh, but, you know, it's amazing how states have come together during this time. Have we seen this before? States coming together. I think, you know, the LGBTQ community is really great at coming together in moments of crisis. And, you know, attacks on the LGBTQ plus community broadly and on transgender people and youth in particular are certainly nothing new. Yeah. Um, we also can't deny that there's a definite rise in legislative and political efforts to restrict the freedom of transgender people and the right to life-saving health care, including gender-affirming care. Um, so, uh, you know, there is a rise there, but we're also seeing a rise in consolidated responses from the community coming together. That's exceptional. And I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, these states that are trying to be anti-trans, those bills are being fast-tracked. So how quickly can these bills meant to support trans kids uh, get enacted into law? Yeah, well, I've heard that Connecticut uh, actually just passed theirs. So they um, got out the gate quickly. Um, Senator Weiner has posted um, his model on the early side as well and is leading the charge in a number of states. Um, and our legislative session here in California will um, wrap up at the end of August. So here, that's around the time that we're looking to get ours passed. That's great. Uh, I'm so thrilled to hear this. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Tammy Martin from Equality California, Legislative Director. We're so glad to have you uh, and hope we can come have you back soon. Would love to. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And um, uh, up next, we're going to talk about, you know, despite sex positivity, Americans aren't happy with their oh. sex lives. How about that? Yeah. Why is that? And what can we do about it? Because I want to see us like sex. Yes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
You know, with all the sex positivity going around, we hear about it all the time. According to experts, Americans might not necessarily be satisfied with their sex lives. What? Yeah, with that, the book Rethinking Sex, A Provocation, dives into this very topic and how it's impacting younger generations. Author Christine Emba joins us to share more now. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. You know, when I saw this article about your book in Vox, I was immediately like, I need to have this person on. This is so fascinating. Tell us what inspired you to write this book. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I am an opinion columnist at the Washington Post, and I write about culture and society and ethics. And I was writing a lot about Me Too, which mm-hmm. was a really galvanizing moment. It showed that many of the problems with sort of our sexual culture that we thought we had solved in the sexual revolution and feminist movement hadn't really gone away. And there were also a lot of sort of new questions, new situations, exemplified by stories like Cat Person or the Babe.net story about Aziz Ansari mm. that were, you know, tricky, touched at gray areas that we didn't know how to talk about. And in talking to people about their experiences, young women and men saying how much they related to these kind of depressing gray area stories, it began to feel like there was, you know, a real malaise affecting our sexual culture. And I wanted to figure out what was contributing to that. What assumptions were we making about sex in the modern world that weren't serving us? Where did we think the sexual revolution should have taken us? And where did we end up and why? This is so fascinating. So, and I, I, I'm curious about, um, you know, the obviously the relationship that the LGBTQ community have with sex is immensely complicated. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you've discovered as it applies to queer people. Yeah, you know, I will say that I started writing Rethinking Sex, you know, kind of centered on heterosexual cisgender relationships, because that was so much the focus of the moment, the the power dynamics there and those interactions. But, you know, in thinking about sort of the macro ways in which we talk about sex, um, how much we kind of validate it as almost the most important thing in our lives, mm-hmm. how much we make it a part of our identity, how we define sexual freedom as, you know, sort of the freedom to not have feelings about people, to not be responsible for others, Mm. you know, to make our way in the world alone. You know, all of those pressures apply to, you know, the LGBTQ relationship world as well and are affecting those people as well. And even kind of the dominant heterosexual uh, sort of norms around sex, because they're so you know, they are so dominant, um, they are so hegemonic in our society, end up trickling down sort of and affecting even people who don't identify um, as straight or as, you know, part of the gender binary. That said, I think there are a lot of examples, too, um, in how the LGBT community is kind of subverting some of these norms. Mm. And there is some clear almost envy from the heteros as to how they wish they could do that too. Finally, we totally. have something up on you. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, uh, that's really important to note. And I'm happy we also, you know, we're talking about that because, you know, your perception of sex changes depending on so much, like where you're from, your background, your sexual orientation, mm-hmm. the way your, your body identity, changes over time, everything, like how you mm-hmm. grew up. I mean, all of it. Uh, So with that, I guess, and you kind of started talking about this when we began, like, what did you discover in terms of why we are where we are today and what's working and what's not working? Yeah, that's a big question. I mean, one of the things I found in in writing Rethinking Sex was that, you know, in a post-sexual revolution culture, there seems to be like a wide agreement among young people that sex is good and the more of it we have, the better. 
And we don't need to be tied to a relationship or marriage. Our sexual proclivities are personal and nobody can judge them. And in this current sexual landscape, there's only one rule, which is to get consent from your partner before doing anything. But, you know, in that world of total liberation and lack of rules, a lot of people feel really lost. Mm. And in making consent the sort of the way that we define whether sex is good or not, um, it's kind of a a legalistic question, a sort of floor where you should have consent. Obviously, it's a baseline. It's important. But it leaves so much out, you know, whether we, we got that consent fairly, whether we should even be doing the thing we consent to do. What our, what our encounters are doing for and to society at large. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily teach us to really care for the other person mm. um, and take into account the human dignity and mutuality of encounters. So it feels like a lot has gotten kind of left out and left behind. So interesting. You know what? This, uh, it's come up recently even for me. Not to, you know, like this is an interview, but this it, it it's really relevant because what I realized is um, I never had really thought about my F yes or F no moment. Like when I'm mm-hmm. with someone in intimacy, you know, even with my partner who you could say I've consented to view with, but there are many times where I don't want certain things. I'm not in the mood. And yet it's just because of I, I want to satisfy this person because of what I've like my thinking around how as a woman in a hetero relationship, how I serve my partner, right? I, w- I want to make him happy and satisfied. Mm-hmm. I've said I've said yes a lot of times when maybe I haven't had a full yes. And I'm start trying to be more clear about that for myself and share that with him that I'm experiencing that as well. Um, and also letting him know if you see I'm disconnected or I'm in a moment where you're feeling like I'm not there and it's not a F yes for me in that moment, call it out and like stop me because... I think we've, you know, we all get disassociated, right, and disconnect in those moments (laughs) because we're so used to just doing things to be in the flow and to satisfy our partner and do what we think we should do, right? Right. And in Rethinking Sex, I talk a lot about this point, that there are so many assumptions and so many kind of cultural molds that are telling people what they should be doing or what they think they should be doing. And I talked to so many women and men um, and queer people who talked about how they had sex that they ostensibly consented to because, you know, they thought they should be up for this to be Mm -hmm. sort of a good feminist. Or they thought that, you know, being queer meant being like performatively willing to try certain things that they didn't really want. And in some ways in the past, if there was a pressure to say no, to like never have sex and never talk about it at all. You know, I talk about kind of an, an uncritical sex positivity in this moment where we're told that to be sex positive, it means you you have you should say yes. Like you you shouldn't say no. You should be up for anything and up for all sorts of experimentation and never judgmental. But that's kind of a pressure on its own too. That's yeah. not really freedom either. If you're being pushed to do something. Totally. Well, we really appreciate this conversation and everything that you're doing. Um, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, that's been great. Yeah, so thank awesome. you so much. Again, that was journalist and author Christine Emba. Check out her book right now, Rethinking Sex, A Provocation. Well, coming up next, what if your parents sued you unless you had a grandchild? What happened to this one family? This is kind of triggering for me. I hope my parents aren't listening next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What would you do if your parents sued you because you haven't had a grandchild yet for them? Well... 
I hope my parents are not listening and are not getting any ideas right now because uh, I'm not even married and like literally they're like just start get going you all like you guys just have a baby already. I mean, and I know that's what parents do, but it's funny because my partner's like, okay, it's really getting annoying. Like they, it's actually not healthy that you're there doing this. I'm like, do, do you? Not, I mean, he has parents, but I'm like, you're not used to this. This is pretty normal, including when you have Jewish parents. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't stress like decrease your fertility? Like that pressure? Uh, yeah, I should tell them worse? you're decreasing Listen, my mom fertility. and dad, we got to talk. Well, so here's what happened: this Indian couple is taking their son to court, demanding that he and his wife produce either a grandchild within a year, or listen to this: the ultimatum. Cough up almost six hundred fifty thousand oh, dollars. Wow. So it's like you give us this money for all like th- the money we spent on educating you, taking care of you, paying for your wedding. You know you have to pay us back, or just get have a grandchild already. I I don't <laughs> I, I can't I don't I I mean I don't live in India I don't know how this jives with what's normal there but i know that if that happened here in the u.s that I'm would pretty be pretty sure this isn't normal to see it can't be i think right? that it's more it's normal to want your kids to have a grandchild and like to say like we're not going to continue supporting you if you like we a lot of parents they follow kind of like the path of like we're doing all this so you have a good job you get married you have children mm-hmm. it's like and then you could you could say that's the traditional path yeah but have you watched that um dating show the reality show about the indian matchmaker on netflix what no it's amazing so it really goes into like the culture and everything um but like how i mean i think all parents are obsessed with their parents their kids getting married but they're specifically the culture is really around that and like um setting their kids up with the person they're going to marry instead of them meeting them yeah naturally at any rate i just think no matter where it is this isn't necessarily oh yeah not cool not cool i mean i think it's really common there for people to live in multi-generational homes so like having grandkids in the family is part of the older folks life plan that's true too it's like yes our plan too we're waiting (laughs) yeah could you please uh change the course of your life for my convenience and expectations this is wild though well good luck to this family i hope that even if they do have a grandchild they're not like completely resentful and angry yeah, may you all make peace like and then the grandchild's gonna see these headlines like this is why yeah, you had this me. is for forever right. they're gonna google themselves <laughs> right. <laughs> all right well coming up next we've got news from naomi judd's death mm. so that and more next on what's trending this hour let's go there with shira and ryan channel q yes we're back thanks for hanging out with us more music coming up right here on channel q right now we're getting into more show i'm shira and we've got another ryan filling in for ryan mitchell here ryan basham oh hey y'all hey hi how you doing good and you have a y'all like it's a real y'all because you're from tennessee yeah i'm a recovering redneck okay (laughs) i'm happy you've recovered well i'm working on it right (laughs) see i say y'all and i'm canadian is that wrong i feel like that's an affectation no it's it's ubiquitous now okay good yeah you're allowed because it just sounds so cool i will revoke your y'all card if you screw up though how do you screw up that just watch. Okay. I guess getting the green card, I mean, I got called out on that yesterday. Um, so lots coming up still. You know, the FDA has authorized this underwear that will protect against STIs. So we're going to get more into that with Dr. James Simmons in 15 minutes. Yes. I'm excited to hear more about that. Plus more details coming out around Naomi Judd's sudden death and memorial. That's in the T-Report in a moment. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. 
After an outcry from students and parents over this yearbook censorship, uh, we actually talked about this the other day. A Florida school board overruled their superintendent's plan to cover up a page showing students waving rainbow flags and having this love is love sign during a walkout against the state's so-called don't say gay bill. Mm. Yeah, the superintendent told the board that the page violated their policy by seeming to endorse a student walkout. So stickers to cover the entire page had already arrived. And it would Jeez. have been added before yearbooks are handed out this week. Ugh. But the school board members rejected the plan Tuesday night, voting five to zero to order smaller stickers that don't cover up the page's words and pictures while explaining that the March protest over the bill uh, was unauthorized. I mean, I just got to say, you know, your yearbook should cover things that are important from the year. And they made national news for this. Yes. Yeah, so there so, you go. I mean, it's, it's important piece of their history. And so this is the thing. You could say it's like, okay, if, if you're covering something that's insulting to a group of people and discriminatory or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, wrong, like flat out wrong, then yeah, it wouldn't be appropriate to cover it. Yeah. But you're actually supporting people's rights. Absolutely. Of course, I guess the other side would say, oh, well, I'm not being heard. This is insulting to me. I mean, the Christian <laughs> Bible Club probably had a group photo in the yearbook, too, and not everybody at that church or that school goes to church. I mean, come on. Yeah. Now, President Biden spoke last night and referenced Trump as the MAGA king. The video has been going viral and being shared everywhere. And here's Press Secretary Jen Psaki, who had to respond about this to reporters today. Well, I would say that the president is not afraid to call out what he sees as extreme positions that are out of line with where the American people stand. And whether that is uh, supporting a tax plan that will raise taxes on 75 million Americans making less than $100,000 a year, or whether it is uh, supporting efforts to overturn Roe v. Wade, something that two-thirds of the American people, in in a Fox News poll, may I add, supported. Um, And there are countless examples from there. So you think this is going to become a thing now? I feel like Mega King. Yes. Yeah. And is is that a good thing or a bad thing that he keeps on bringing this up? Well, I mean, look, you don't want to shame people who might change their mind. But what you do want to do is come out on the offensive. And that's the thing that people always criticize Biden for is not having enough grit, not having enough teeth when it comes to the other side. And I think this is going to I think it will gin up the base on the Democratic side. And that's a good thing going into the midterm elections. And then it's going to feed into more Trump ego, though. But you know what? Anything. I mean, you know, the fact that oxygen exists feeds into his ego. You know what I mean? Uh, This. This might feed into his ego, or maybe not. The Department of Justice has opened up a grand jury investigation relating to former President Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents following this revelation in February that he had brought boxes of documents home to his Mar-a-Lago estate when he left the White House. You know, just bringing some confidential boxes back home with you. As one does. Yeah. It's like a a little treat, like a goodie bag. Yeah, right. (laughs) From being president. I mean, you know, you are the ultimate declassifier when you're president. But once you're not president anymore, you can break the law with classified information. You know what I mean? At least one subpoena has been issued to the National Archives and interview requests have been made to some former aides who were with Trump during his last days in office. And that's according to ABC News. Now, uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Well, you know, um, I grew up on the Judds coming from East Tennessee. And uh, and so losing Naomi Judd recently was, was you know, it was kind yeah. of a sad moment, you know, uh, for me personally. But sisters, Winona and Ashley, her daughters, are partnering with CMT and Sandbox Live on a public memorial special to honor 
her. Um, so uh, Naomi Judd, A River of Time Celebration, will go live from Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, where I've been, uh, at 6 p.m. on Sunday, May 15th. Um, they announced that uh, their 76-year-old mom's death on April 30th was due to the disease of mental illness. We learned uh, more recently that she died by suicide. Um, so, you know, we just want to take this moment to point out that if you or someone you know is at risk for suicide, um, please uh, reach out to the Suicide Prevention Hotline, suicidepreventionhotline.org. Make it quick and easy to get the support you might need. Oh, yeah, gosh. thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, so on a lighter note, we have some tickets to give away. Okay. Yes, the second annual Divas in the Desert is coming up soon. Channel Q presents our second annual Divas in the Desert, starring uh, the Tell It to My Heart Diva, the one and only Taylor Dane. Ooh. Yeah, it's this. Uh, it's coming up on Thursday, May 19th, 7 to 10 p.m. at the Morongo Casino, Rego- Casino Re- Resort and Spa outside of Palm Springs. Um, it's a fundraising event benefiting DAP Health and the Coachella Valley LGBTQ Center. It's going to be so much fun. Um, tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. But if you are the fifth caller to call in right now, you will get two tickets for free. And are you ready? Here's the number. 833-77-CALL-Q. That's 833-772-2557. Give us a buzz if you want two free tickets to see the one, the only, Taylor Dane. Love it. All right. Start those calls. (laughs) Coming up next, there's new underwear that will help protect you against STIs. I'm really interested in finding out more about this. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So the FDA just authorized underwear to protect against STIs during oral sex. I have so many questions. Me too. And right away I thought, who better to invite on who might have the answers? Our local doctor. Yes. Family doctor, Dr. James Simmons. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you thought of me. For this. Of course. And by the way, <laughs> who just officially graduated last night, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Thank you very much. It's- I mean, I technically, the University of California Board of Regents bestowed the title of doctor upon me two years ago, but I never got to walk across the stage <laughs> until yesterday. So it was, it was awesome. So, you, so you're, you're a practicing professional. It's not just a brand new thing, yeah. but congratulations yeah, 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 nonetheless. Yeah. It's been a big year for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, lots going on. But it, it does. There's something official about it, I suppose, when they throw the little hood over you and yes. announce your name and everyone reads your dissertation title and they're like, what the hell was that about? Yeah, it was super fun. So let's get into this underwear situation. Uh, this is a first for underwear. And can you explain how this exactly works? I think this is absolutely fantastic. I'm oh. super, super excited about it. Okay, so when you think of non like non-medicinal so not medicine not contraceptive uh you know oral medications but when you think of like our contraception everyone goes straight to condoms right or how to keep yourself safe with a physical barrier during sex everyone goes to condoms no one really thinks about dental dams right well they're out there they've existed sometimes people just use good old-fashioned saran wrap or like whatever they got handy for dental dams, and this is when we are talking about oral sex for people with vulvas, right, vaginas, and people just don't use them. Well, some very, very brilliant ladies were like, hey, wait a second here. We want to protect ourselves from the sexually transmitted diseases that can occur during oral sex, but also be able to provide or receive a ton of pleasure during oral sex. And what they came up with were these fantastic 
I know this word makes a lot of people squeamish, but panties that you can wear. They're very wearable. They're, they're kind of cute. They're not the cutest things you've ever seen, but they're kind of cute. They're made of latex and they act like a condom. So they're a wearable dental dam, single use. You wear this thing. And then when it's time to get down to the, you know, what, you know, you and the person potentially performing the oral sex on you or whatever are being safe and being protected because it's a latex barrier just like a condom. Amazing. Wow, I don't think that they have to be that cute. I don't think people are, you know, there to, to look at them. Well, they say, I feel like they need to feel sexy and they also have a, they said a cookie taste, like it tastes like a cookie or something. There's a Instead joke of, in there. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, because I feel like whenever, whenever I Careful. think about um, licking a material or having any sort of material near my mouth, I gag. So I'm assuming it makes it mm. a bit more easier to put your mouth on a material. I'm actually, I'm curious, uh, yeah. you know, in your in your position as a medical professional, I mean, based on the people you deal with, how how much of a use do you think do you think a lot of people are actually going to use this? I mean, uh, the people who make these, it's a company called Laurels, L O R A L S, Laurels, and that's their website. Um, say that they have tens of thousands of sales every upwards of 60,000 sales per month. Wow. And the product has actually been on the market since 2015. Um, Sorry, she's been working on it since 2015. It reached the marketplace in 2018. It now officially, the reason it's making headlines now is that it's officially approved by the FDA. So it's gone through the rigorous testing of the FDA to say, yes, this product actually does work to prevent sexually transmitted infection. And I, you know, I want to remind people that HPV is far and away the number one uh, sexually transmitted infection. Most people, as in the majority, as in 66% of folks, plus or minus a few percentage points, who have ever had sex have at least come in contact with HPV if they don't have some form of it already. But chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, herpes, trichomonious, uh, even HIV to a much, much, much lesser degree can be spread through oral contact. So if this is a way that you can sort of, you know, you have your panties on, you're out, you're being cute. And then you also know that like, hey, you know, oral sex is something that my partner and I are into and we can, I can protect that person and myself while wearing this. I think it is a fantastic idea. And if it tastes like a cookie, all the better. Amazing. Will this be available like in pharmacies or to order online? You can order it right now online. Oh. Um, that, yep, absolutely. And as many as you want. And, you know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know about the distribution. Um, You're not this, into their you know, business plan. Like, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily. But I, 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 it's really fascinating. I can't wait to learn more about it. But a four pack of panties does just cost $25 each on their website. So, oh. you know, you can... Uh, while we're crafting their marketing, I feel like we could just pitch like, you know, I feel like this woman meets her partner at a you know, romantic dinner and she goes, by the way, I have my laurels on, you know? Like, I feel like this this is the, the ad writes itself. Did I just totally, you know, OMG. run us off the tracks? No, it's all good. It's all good. It, it, it really, it really, really does. I mean, no, who, who uses dental dams, right? I think it's really, you know, in terms of like putting my medical protectioner, protectioner, wow, medical <laughs> practitioner hat back on to protect folks, right? We are not a, a shame sex sort of, you know, situation here. And we really want to make sure that people are having fun, but also protecting totally. themselves. Yes, I, I absolutely. I love this. I think it's great. Safe sex Whatever, is great sex. Yeah, allows us to just, yeah, do what we want to do safely. That's great. I'm a big supporter of that. Coming up next, you're sticking around with us, Dr. James, because we want to talk about why going to the bathroom, you know, just because if you're going to the bathroom a lot, it could be harmful. So more on that next.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so do you go to the bathroom a lot and you just go just because, right? Like, do you ever, does this ever happen to you, Ryan? Why are you looking at me? How dare you? (laughs) I don't want to reveal too much, you know. This is my personal information. Yes, I do. Too much. Right. You you take a lot of bathroom breaks. I I I take more than three people do in a day normally, I think. Okay. Well, th- there could be some issues there according to this TikTok. <laughs> Among I don't other things. <laughs> I, I, right. It's not just any TikTok. It's from a doctor. So it was a medical professional that shares um, saying that uh, people should not urinate just in case in, res- in response to another TikTok video on vacation bathroom break tips. Mm. Right. She says, I know it sounds counterintuitive and goes against everything you your mom taught you just out here trying to save your bladder. Well, what does that exactly mean? Dr. James Simmons is back with us to explain. Can you explain what? Why it's bad to just, you know, take a uh, go to the bathroom just in case? Because I agree, like, if you know you're not going to have a bathroom break in a mm-hmm. long time, we will all, like, if you have a road trip or you're going to maybe a movie, I don't know, a meeting, uh, you might just say, I'm going to go to the bathroom even though I don't need to go and just do a little, little thing. Yeah, right? explain it to us. Paint a splashy picture. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> very good, Ryan Basham. That's why they pay me the picture. medium bucks. I uh, know that right exactly uh, a medium good joke listen we totally <laughs> learned this as kids right our parents were telling us you know all right before like just like you said Shira before you get in the car and go on this road trip or whatever everybody pee get it out of your system out every once in a while doing that totally fine not a big deal whatsoever it's when it becomes a habit and I'll mm. explain so just like this this doctor on TikTok and she's brilliant by the way pelvic floor training and urology specialists oh. and whatever are fantastic um, and so Dr. Alicia Jeffrey Thomas goes on to explain in this, you know, now viral TikTok video about how when you over time don't allow your bladder to fill nearly completely full, wow. you end up retraining the nerves in your bladder that your bladder itself is actually smaller than it really is. Oh. So because those nerves, you might, your bladder might only fill up 40%, but because you've been peeing all the time at about 35%, Mm. your bladder thinks that 40% full is full and those nerves will tell you that you have to pee. And so then it becomes this vicious cycle that you start peeing and peeing and peeing all all the time. And if your bladder is pretty stretchy, so if you're not filling it up to let's say 80, 85% fairly consistently over time, your bladder will shrink. And that's a real thing. Incontinence. No, it's totally a real thing, particularly for people who have, vulvas, vaginas, uteruses, your bladder, pelvic floors are shaped very, very differently. You know, when I think about some people who have prostates and penises, you know, when we hear about urinary frequency, so going all the time, we sort of think prostate types of issues, mm. but it can be a bladder issue like this. But generally for people with, with vaginas, it this type of situation tends to be a weaker pelvic floor combination situation with a bladder that has been tricked over time that to think that it's smaller than it actually is fascinating i mean is it is it it's is this reversible very very much reversible but it takes time that's one of the things that that's sort of tough is that you kind of have to retrain your your bladder to go think that it's back to its normal size if you will but what you don't want to do is overcorrect either so people who um have vaginas also have shorter urethras, so the little mm. tube where the pee comes out, right? Mm. That urethra being much shorter puts those individuals at a much higher risk for urinary tract infections. Well, urinary tract infections are much more common when you hold your urine for longer. 
What oh. you don't want to do is try to compensate for this by being like, I'm only going to pee once every 24 hours. Like, don't overshoot it. But I think, you know, because so many of us are working from home all the time, our bathrooms are readily accessible or our schedule is so managed by like meetings yeah. and public transportation or being yeah. in L.A. traffic for a really long time or whatever. We've just gotten in this habit of being like, I better take advantage of the situation when I have it. And mm. what that does is it teaches us to not listen to the natural signals in our body. And then all of a sudden our peeing schedule just gets to be a, something that we literally put in our calendar rather than listening to our body and it being a natural sort of thing. Wow, wow, this is fascinating. So I guess, yeah, like, what advice do you have people? Like, how if, how do people know if there's an issue? It's just if they go and there's nothing that comes out a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you, you know, uh, you should definitely look at the color of your urine. That can be pretty telling in terms of mm-hmm. your hydration status. Yes, um, that is true. If you're urinating frequently and it's pretty bright yellow, um, that's sort of a key that, A, probably you need to drink more water or tea, things like that, but also that you might just be urinating a little bit too frequently. Uh, most folks go two to three times a day in a waking day, and that's about it. So if you're finding yourself going a lot more than that, you're like, ah, okay, I'm the person that goes six or seven times a day. might be time to think about doing a little bit of bladder retraining and just realize that it's not – you know, try to try to try to get in touch with your bladder, <laughs> right? Try, That's the lesson have a here. Relationship with your with your bladder, and say, okay, do I really? Am I going now because it's convenient? Because I have seven minutes in between meetings, and I kind of sort of have to go, or am I going because I like actually have to go? And I'm urging, and so are all these other folks urging you to wait until you actually have to go. Like it's it's a pretty good sensation, and then you'll retrain that bladder over a period of a few weeks. So you're, you're urging us to wait until we have a earnest urge. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I'm really trying to recover from that last wow. joke. Look, I have to say, this is really, truly helpful for me, though. Like, I, I do think that I probably should do some bladder retraining. So I appreciate that we're having this conversation. This was an intervention. Yeah, I, this is really all about me. It's not about you or the listeners. <laughs> and listen, Ryan Basham, we didn't want to bash you over the head with this. Hey, okay, okay. I deserve that. I deserve hey. that. Okay, so. Uh, I got bad, bad jokes, too. At, uh, Dr. James, I was like, at Dr. James Simmons. Dr. James Simmons, at Ask the NP is where you can find him on social media. Thank you again. Thanks. My pleasure, y'all. Next up, stop doing this one thing when you fight with your partner or with even a friend. We'll reveal that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Experts reveal the one thing that you do, you might be doing when you fight with your partner that you should stop doing now. And I would say this is not just for a, an intimate partnership. It could be a friend or even a colleague. Or a co-host. Yeah. I mean, that's a colleague, right? A co-host. <laughs> 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 Let's argue about it. Um, and so this is just shout out to Candidly where I found this. So they say that a lot of us will use facts and when we argue and debate, right? Mm-hmm. Like yesterday at this time, you did this and a lot of times we get so lost in facts and and it is important like bringing up the information is important yeah um including if someone's like i don't do that right no you did it this that but a lot of times when you start bringing up and basing everything around facts you actually stop listening to each other and start like sometimes it's not just about the words that you're sharing and like but actually hearing what the person will is saying and then also getting a sense of like what they're feeling yeah so underneath the the words and all the facts a lot of times when you step back and you actually hear you might hear someone like yeah is frustrated maybe is scared maybe is angry maybe is nervous but you get so stuck 
in the information that you stop actually thinking about like the feelings and how do we find connection through how we're feeling. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, my therapist talks a lot about, you know, if you're going to give a fact, talk about it like and contextualize it like, you know, when you did X, it made me feel X. Or when you did X, I felt X. Yeah. Taking responsibility for your feelings. Yeah. So at least that way you're like having a dialogue about it as opposed to like um, keeping score. You know, yeah. that's the thing that I feel like triggers me when someone's giving me facts about what's happened is I'm like, oh, so are we should I be keeping score, too? Yeah. You get into a defensive mode. Yeah. Not that you like and that's not right. But then it becomes about a right or wrong you against me versus saying establishing like you are people that care about each other, mm-hmm. whatever the context of the relationship is. Yeah. So something is bothering you. We need to talk about it. But if you're just going to be like rambling off a resume, I can't connect or like rambling off the things. Yeah. I can't actually connect with you as a person and also create safety for me to share how I yeah. feel because then it's almost saying like you don't deserve to feel anything around this because you've nothing to show that I did wrong yeah and also I think we we over trust our memories like we, oh, you know yes, what I mean like totally. we think we definitely exactly remember what happened and we're certain about it but someone else could have been there in the same experience and remembered it differently and how do you know who's right you know, you can't because your brain, they say your brain starts, you know, adapting memories within hours of something happening. Wow. That's why in court, um, people who don't give contemporaneous, like keep contemporaneous notes of what happened, like the further out they are from the event, the less reliable of a witness Whoa. they are. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? So here's what experts, yeah, say to do instead, right? Give up the need to be right. Remember that you're on the same team. Mm. Stop having an agenda. Oh. So go into it. Like a lot of us will be like, yeah, I'm going into this, wanting yeah, this, and this is my mm-hmm. intention. A lot of times, when you're not you're not coming in listening. You're just being reactive. Make the other person feel heard too, right? Yeah. It's about both people and change this dynamic yourself because it takes two people to argue. So once one person stops engaging in that way, it changes the d- dynamic, right? So you've also got to change too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a huge difference between wanting to be heard and wanting the other person to feel wrong or shame or whatever, you know? Yeah, something just to look out for as we build healthier relationships with each other. We're working it out on day two. (laughs) Exactly. Don't reveal all. We're revealing our relationship already. Okay, next up, how to win tickets to Taylor Dane and Divas (gasps) in the Desert. That's after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, that was Taylor Dane's classic, Can't Get Enough of Your Love. Mm. And listen in a moment because Ryan here, Ryan Basham filling in for Ryan Mitchell, is giving yeah, you a chance to win tickets to tickets. see Taylor Dane and so much more, Divas in the Desert, in five minutes. Mm. Uh, but also coming up this hour, we're talking about sex in America. Why Americans are not having good sex, even though we're all about sex positivity and everything these days. I mean, let's talk about it. That's in 30 minutes. And uh, coming up in the T-Report, what's going on? Well. Not yet. Well, don't reveal it yet. We're, we're talking about a star who may or a- may not have passed away recently yes. that you may or may not have a lot of lovely feelings for and you may want her stuff. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> That's the T-Report in a moment. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Uh, since COVID-19 vaccines became widely available, there's been a wide gap in deaths between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. What a shock. Yeah, but unfortunately, recent COVID deaths are much more evenly split mm. as new variants are here 
and it seems like vaccine protection is decreasing and not as many people are getting boosters. So according to a CNN analysis of data from the CDC, of those vaccinated people who died from a breakthrough case of COVID-19 in January and February, less than a third had gotten a booster shot. Mm. The remaining two thirds had only received their primary series. I mean, I, I got the booster the moment I could. Yeah. So uh, it, the question is, will you be getting another booster? Is this the, it's like the never-ending boosters? Here? I tell you what, the moment I'm eligible, I'll get another booster. Are we eligible yet? No. No, you got to be, mm. I think, 50 plus. Yeah. Soon, probably, because, you know, it's like every six months, I think you need to get it. Yeah. That's when I ended up getting COVID. It was like when I'd gotten it in April, my original one, and then November, I got COVID. Oh, wow. So I'm hoping between that and my booster, my first booster, I'm good to go for a bit. Yeah, I don't want are. that again. Let me tell you. It it's not, not fun. good. Meanwhile, uh, here's Senator Rand Paul, obviously a COVID expert, explaining um, otherwise about boosters. It makes absolutely no sense to mandate COVID vaccinations for teenagers who are healthy. It makes even less sense to mandate a booster. There is no scientific evidence that boosters are valuable, and there is scientific evidence that boosters increase the risk of a heart inflammation for young adolescent males. And so they were debating that on the floor today because uh, they have the, their pages coming in this mm. summer who are younger. Yeah, they're basically interns. Yeah. And so the debate is whether they should have to be boosted like the rest of Congress. I mean, and let's be clear. Rand Paul acts like an expert, not an expert. So, you know, and the way he construes data to fit his point, even totally. if it's not legit, it's unfortunate. Uh, moving on to Greece, who yesterday banned conversion therapy for minors. Under the bill, which Greece's parliament approved, psychologists or other health professionals need a person's explicit consent to perform this type of treatment and face fines and prison term if they violate the law. Hmm. And finally, Finland leaders have announced a decision to apply for NATO membership. They announced their intention to submit an application to join the NATO military alliance without delay. Russia, which shares an 810-mile border with Finland, classified the country's decision as a threat. Sweden is expected to decide if it is also applying for membership in the coming days. I'm so glad this is happening. I feel like, you know, this is a way to, I think, hopefully avert World War III. Yeah, that's the hope, right? Fingers crossed. Or it instigates. Well, who, you know, knows? who knows? At this point, I think everything instigates that guy. Yeah. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. Feeling good. <laughs> okay, so the pause a second ago was because I was so excited for this song that I wanted it to happen early. Uh, so, um, although uh, this is a little bit of a sentimental piece of news. So, you know, your friend and mine, uh, Betty White, passed away uh, not too long ago. And now uh, more than 1,500 of items from her homes uh, uh, are going to go up for option. Auction. Option. Uh, so starting September 23rd in Beverly Hills, as well as online, uh, Julian's Auctions is going to be hosting this three-day event where they're auctioning off all kinds of stuff, furnishings, artwork, jewelry, all kinds of personal items. Um, and I have to say, I'm pretty excited I might want to have to get something. Oh, you are. How much are they? I mean, is it, like, is it expensive? I mean, I think some of them are going to be really expensive because we're talking about famous people jewelry. Okay, yeah. You there know? must be some other things that 
or like a little uh, little thing. You can a little put trinket. On, like, tr- yeah, a trinket. Yeah, but we're going to have to elbow out all the other gays to get to it. So, you know, and those, <laughs> some of those true. moneyed gays are going to be all up on it. Yeah, people are definitely going to be preparing for this one and like getting their Ebays ready, unfortunately, as well as the collectors, like yeah. people, the big fans out there. Man, the competition's there for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of good stuff, yes. some exciting news to share with you. Uh, the uh, second annual Divas in the Desert concert is coming up, and we have some tickets to give away for you. So, uh, Channel Q presents our second annual Divas in the Desert, starring the Tell It to My Heart diva, the one and only Taylor Dane. It's coming up a week from today, Thursday, May 19th, 7 to 10 p.m., at the Morongo Casino Resort and Spa, which is just outside Palm Springs. Um, it, this is a fundraiser benefiting DAP Health and the Coachella Valley LGBTQ Center. We're, there's going to be so much more than just that. There's, there's going to be a fun drag show. Our very own Michaela Gordon will be performing original songs. Uh, and, of course, the night will be topped off with a performance by Taylor Dane. So thrilling. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. But if you call right now, the fit, caller number five will get two free tickets. Fun. OMG. So the number, if you're ready, let's go. 833-77-CALL-Q. So 833-772-2557. I was just texting with my friend Faith. She's excited to go. Everybody's going to be there. You don't want to miss it. Oh, my God. All right. Well, coming up next, the Trevor Project, uh, a favorite of mine as an organization with what they're up to, they just revealed their new survey about LGBTQ youth. So we have the Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the Trevor Project joining us next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Trevor Project, which is one of my favorite nonprofits out there, I've been working with them in some way with their L.A. gala that they have every year for almost a decade. Actually, over a decade. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. It is. Uh, So they are, if you don't know, the world's largest suicide prevention and mental health organization for LGBTQ plus and questioning youth. They released the findings of their 2022 national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health last week. And it represented the experiences of nearly 34,000 LGBTQ youth ages 13 to 24 across the U.S. The results, unfortunately, continue to show an upward trend of suicidal thoughts. And here to share more is Sam Ames, the Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the Trevor Project. Thanks, Sam, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So let's get into the report. How did this year's report differ from other years or did it? Well, first of all, we were able this year to do a lot of comparing data. We now have three years of similar or identical questions we are able to compare with years past. And unfortunately, what that means is that the trend we are identifying is that suicidal thoughts have trended upward among LGBTQ youth over the last three years. Um, comparing our data from, from the last two years, it's increased from 40% to 42% to 45% this year of LGBTQ youth seriously considering suicide. I'm just, you know, uh, uh, this this blows my mind, but of course, on, on, on the other hand, I can't say I'm surprised. Um, how, how directly can you link this to what's happening in the legal and social landscape around queer kids? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, every researcher on the planet would be mad at me if I tried to draw a direct link. That's just not how causation works. Yeah. But I will say that we have seen an upward trend and our our crisis response workers on the lines are hearing these young people talk about being stressed out by 
you know, things that are happening to all of us Mm -hmm. by things like the pandemic and being isolated, but also by this enormous wave of anti-LGBTQ legislation that we are seeing in the last two years. We've had just this year hundreds of bills sweeping the nation. The majority of them are unevenly targeting trans and non-binary youth. And not surprisingly, trans and non-binary youth are showing higher rates of suicide. So while 45% of LGBTQ youth are telling us they have seriously considered suicide in the last year, nearly one in five trans and non-binary youth reported actually attempting suicide in the last year. Uh, and, and also that, you know, continues to grow for those who are in uh, the BIPOC communities, too. We continue to see that those who um, have, you know, they're having other issues as well and an increase, um, it seems, yeah. in depression and suicidal thoughts. Yeah, one of the one of the amazing things about this year's survey is that it was able to segment further than ever before mm. the different demographics we're studying. So we are able to see the interactions of race and ethnicity, of gender identity on suicidality and use of LGBTQ youth of color, particularly trans youth of color, have the highest suicide rates we're seeing. Wow. You know, I, I know you all have uh, an excellent uh, hotline resource, but I, I'm wondering, you know, those of us who are adults who want to counteract what the bad actors in the adult world are doing that hurt the, these kids, what can those of us who, who want to be of support do before they get to the place where they need your hotline? Yeah, I mean, so two things. First of all, in direct response to this, I want to say that while we are seeing this coordinated nationwide campaign by anti-LGBTQ organizations and lawmakers, it is actually out of step with the with the majority of public opinion. It may not have been when they started this, right? I think that they have identified transgender youth as a wedge issue. They have decided that it is acceptable to have casualties in that in that strategy. But since they did that, more and more people are meeting trans youth. More and more people know these young people as human beings. A majority of U.S. adults now oppose blocking students from accessing LGBTQ resources on the Internet at school. They oppose banning books. They oppose banning classroom discussions. And they support trans youth having access to gender-affirming hormone therapy and puberty blockers by 55 52%. Um, these aren't small numbers. So as much as you can, talk to your friends about these issues, um, especially if you are cisgender. The other thing that is just so important is that our research tells us that the one of the most important protective factors against suicide for these young people is having a supportive adult in their life. Mm-hmm. Even one supportive adult can decrease their suicide risk by 40%, which is just a nuts number. So... Across the board, youth who have accepting community, access to LGBTQ-affirming spaces, have high social support from their family and friends and communities, all reported lower suicide risk. So the most important thing for me right now is to talk directly to the LGBTQ youth in your life. Tell them that they are loved and supported. Tell them that what they are seeing on the news, what is happening to them, is wrong because they're watching. We know that 85% of transgender and non-binary youth say they are watching these adults, these powerful lawmakers, debate their very yeah. identity and existence and that it's having a negative impact already. So, so address that. Tell yeah. them that what's happening to them is wrong. Tell them that they are supported and loved. And of course, uh, where can people find out more to get involved, donate, or for support even? Yeah. Um, So if you are a young person looking for support, go to thetrevorproject.org. 
Um, you can access counselors. You can access online forums. You can find people who will just listen and support you wherever you are. And the TrevorProject.org is also a great place to go. If you do want to donate, if you want to volunteer mm-hmm. as one of our crisis workers, we are always looking for volunteers. And then if you're looking to get engaged in any of these legislative fights, we have a Take Action button on the website that Fantastic. will lead you straight to talking to your lawmakers. Okay, that was Sam Ames, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the Trevor Project. Thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, well, next up, is abortion content absent from your Facebook feed if you're on Facebook? There could be a reason why. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Yes. Okay, this one goes to Tiffany Holloway, who is a mom of a 16-year-old trans son who started her own church. Wow. Yes, to support her son and all those in the community in Oklahoma. You know, because of everything that is happening there, she thought, you know what, let's pack up and leave. This is not a safe place for you. Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, why leave when there's a need for allies and support for the community, right? Because in the end, there are a lot of people that can't leave. So she started this church that is open and welcoming to everyone. Uh, She also now has a TikTok that is blowing up where she uh, talks about the news happening in the community and is also just a support for those, like almost like a mama bear support. I love that so much. Yeah, the church is called Church of Prismatic Light. Wow. Um, She started her own religion to uplift uh, trans kids. Um, she said that it's not based in Christianity and um, they, it holds the right to transition and the right to gender affirming care among its core beliefs. Wow. Love it. So here she is in just one of her videos. We're all upset about these discriminatory laws being passed across the country. Well, one mom started her own church to support her trans son. Oh, that's us. Make way world. Because we're unstoppable. Definitely they are. That's my hero. Right. This is just so inspiring and a great example of how a parent can support their child in the community. Yeah. I'm, I I hope to be that kind of parent if I have right? kids. Yeah. Exactly. So big shout out to Tiffany Holloway. Definitely check out Church of Prismatic Light and her TikTok Wildfire Priestess. Yes. (laughs) That's our Yes Queen of the day. Yes Queen. And that also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, same time, wrapping up the week with you 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live here on Channel Q. I want to thank my fill-in co-host here, Ryan Basham. It's a joy and a pleasure to be here. Yes, you are back tomorrow. But where can people find you on social media? At Ryan Basham on all the socials media. Amazing. I love that. Good for you. I try to get my name before anybody else does. Yes. Because, you know, when you have different names everywhere, it makes it hard to promote. Yeah, true story. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. Also, all our content is always at wearechannelq.com. We are sending you love and light. And I'll stick around for Loveline with Dr. Chris right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.